0: Listening to Pawnee Public Radio
1: with your hosts Hannah and Will. It's so good to—I was going to say—see your ear again. I'm a mad now. I'm kind of like personifying being the headphone, one of the a pod if you will. Um, but anyway, we're glad you're here. We're glad we're here. How's it we're going? We're inside
0: your ear. <laughs> I imagined it when you see, said that. Yeah. I imagined a magic school bus situation. Oh, yeah. Where we sort of shrunk down, went on the magic school bus, and now we're inside the ear and we have to escape through the bus. Yeah,
1: get 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 dirty, what, get messy, make mistakes and have fun.
0: Was that the not necessarily motto? in that
1: order? I think that was the motto. My mom would always dress up and as
0: Magic School Bus. Miss Frizzle.
1: Miss ma- Frizzle was she married? No. Was it Ms. Miss Frizzle? I don't
0: know. I didn't ask her about her personal life since I like to focus on her career when I interviewed her.
1: Good, Hannah. You passed the first of many Miss Frizzle tests. Test. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what frizzle test did exam. you call it? I was calling it the Bechtel test of my interview it skills. Miss Frizzle It is the
1: Bechtel test, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I just named it. I thought it might have been the eponymous Frizzle test. But you're right that like the Frizzle test would have been. You would have had to go like inside the piece of paper that the Bechtel test is on. It would be like Mm -hmm. very there would be shrinking and growing involved. Yeah.
0: How would you at home interview Miss Frizzle? What are the questions you're dying to know? And should we have Miss Frizzle on the pod? Please let us know.
1: Yeah, I'd have the whole, the whole class on the podcast. I think the thing I I started to say was that my mom would always dress up as Miss Frizzle for like scholastic book fair days. And so there was like a between like third and fifth grade. There was some confusion as to whether my mom was actually Miss Frizzle. You know, like where the character stopped and she began, kind of. Not for me. I always knew her? she was. Were my you mom. mad
0: at, Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if you <laughs> other were, like, kids in the class.
1: Mad I, I knew for never
0: taking you on the magic school bus. You're like, why are we always in the van when you drive me to school?
1: <laughs> I think there was. There might have been a wig that was involved, like a red wig. Um, so I think it was like a Clark Kent Superman situation where like, if the wig was on, like I did, no even I cares. couldn't tell the or difference between cares. this and my mom. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know, it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, it's that you have to buy into it in a superhero movie where they put on the wig and people act like, who is this? Or not a wig. Like, it's usually glasses, right?
1: Yeah. You know what I just rewatched? that you just reminded me that I will fully stand behind and would love to hear what people think about. I just rewatched sky high, the Disney channel original movie sky high about a superhero high school. I think it is a good movie. (laughs) That's, that's my recap of that movie. Um, But I think it's, I think sky high is good. You all tuned
0: in to listen to a complete review of sky high and Miss Frizzle's series, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, <laughs> there's, that's what, you know, what you signed up for. I feel like that's, it's buried in the user agreement actually when, when you, you like download iTunes.
0: Yeah. There's like a <laughs> sub, a sub, a subtext. There's, there's, there's subtext that clearly states what this podcast is about.
1: Yeah. We're, I mean, everything, it's all like the Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation where we'll find a way to talk about what we want to talk about. And for me today, it's, Miss Frizzle and Sky High. Sky high. Two, two great pieces of work. They Not hold up. to
0: focus out of the subjects back into the text, but we also watched an episode of Parks and Rec, The Possum.
1: Mm-hmm. First what is the difference between... Oh. First impression, and yeah, is is when do you Would use you, the O and when do you drop it? When is it O-Possum and when is it just Possum?
0: We should ask, if, if O'Connor is listening, please call back in and let us know. As the... Yeah. The resident expert on the O's
1: um, with a little apostrophe. I do like a little a little Irish possum.
0: We watched the old <laughs> possum. Um, my impression of this is I really enjoyed the A story. It felt like we really furthered uh, the relationship of April and Leslie. Mm-hmm. And the B story was a little clunkier for me. It, it felt a little bit more like season one. A bit confusing. And I can't wait to talk about why the A story hit me in the heart and the B story avoided my heart and got stuck in the school bus in my ear.
1: <laughs> but we learned a lot about the human body and how to trust yourself and believe in what you're capable of. Yeah, you were really hard on all any scene that happens in a workshop. You're pretty hard on.
0: I think for me, and we'll get into it, I just, I don't. I don't like when I'm supposed to feel something emotionally and don't at all because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel the emotions of things very quickly. Like I've been scrolling through TikTok and I'll get to a video of a dog being rescued. Okay, maybe that's not easy. Maybe that's just a great TikTok. And I'll just I'll really I'll start crying like it really gets me and I feel like the bee story which is the the Mark Brentianowicz Ron Swanson story wanted me to feel something as you know as as Ron sews back together the rule book and actually tries and I just couldn't feel anything
1: yeah and then I, I, hear I felt that point anger so there we it's go it's about to there, be like I a, like 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 a, a warm hearted moment of friendship that maybe doesn't quite didn't translate for us and we can talk about why that is when it
0: didn't yeah when when something doesn't hit but you know it's supposed to represent like it's supposed to hit i feel like that's where i struggle but even in the clunkier b story there were good moments and the a story really delivered for me so
1: what do you think about about animal acting about the the performance we had the performance of a wild animal
0: of a possum. I thought the possum getting snubbed for the Emmys this year, the year that this was released was
1: <laughs> Well, we're mad honestly, about it every year. Every year mad that about goes it every by. Every year
0: since. I mean, there's been a lot of like classic award snubs and yeah. I think the possum in the episode The Opossum is a huge one for me.
1: Yeah, egregious. Egregious. Um also, another thing we should probably bring up about possums before we get any further is that yeah. they're marsupials, and so they carry their young in a little pouch, which I think we forget about.
0: Do you, do you wish you were carried in a pouch? <laughs> I thought that was I, a good question until it came out of my mouth, <laughs> and now I just feel weird about it.
1: No, I... I <laughs> I mean, I wish I could be currently carried in a little pouch. My My brother... And sister-in-law work together, and I have a nephew now. Which there's got to be a better way to get to that little piece of information. <laughs> there's this wonderful new baby Do in they the world. Carry
0: him in a pouch.
1: Well, they have a little like papoose thing. You know what I mean? Where where you like What's swaddle? What's a papoose?
0: Oh, it's uh, like a it front is swaddle like a pouch. thing.
1: I think we're yeah. Okay. I think more pouches. I think pouches are really Wait, in right thanks now. Thanks for
0: not judging this question. I I really asked you if you wish you would carry it around in a pouch.
1: Yeah, and my short answer is just yes, I do <laughs> immediately. Um, I mean, now more than ever, I could use more like pouch time. You know, before I learn how to roll under my stomach, <laughs> which I'm still working on. A lot. I got babies on the brain. I'm a big fan, big fan of babies, big fan of marsupials. Do you
0: want kids?
1: I, I would, went from do great- you want to be
0: in a pouch to do you want children
1: Which this is coinc- the kind of <laughs> coincidentally <laughs> that is the first job. question I would have asked Miss Frizzle if we ever get her on the pod it was like but do you want your own children Do you <laughs>
0: want kids of your own a little frizz
1: Uh yeah oh I would love I would love kids um yeah but more I'd on be that a
0: good dad but more more than that when we that get to the karate, <laughs> the
1: karate episode, the Johnny Karate episode.
0: <laughs> um, I think now that we know that Will both would like to be carried around in a pouch and wants children, I think we can finally get into the episode. Yeah.
1: Well, and before we just breeze right on by all of that, I mean, I think those two things are connected. I think the pouch is very much a part of my thinking about potential fatherhood. It's like, I don't
0: think your kid would put you in a pouch. I don't think you'd get the best of both worlds.
1: That, well, that's the whole thing, you know, is is you get one day... Did I
0: day, say before we started recording, I'm in a weird mood, this might
2: be a weird one. <laughs> you um,
1: did, yeah. And you know what? It Doesn't it feel kind of good to be right?
0: <laughs> I know yeah. myself too well. I think we should start the episode before... I, I don't even want to see what other questions I would ask you if we kept going.
1: Yeah, well, I think I want to be cremated, too. Um, so, the episode... <laughs>
0: The possum, the yeah. So the yeah. possum. Um, it it's got. I mean, we we don't we don't have to get into every detail of every scene, but this opener it starts off as one of the Tom has a bad episode basically, and yeah. this opener highlights that Tom. When, we've been sort of tracking Tom's behavior throughout the series, and mm. there is something that I do relate to that happens uh, this episode with him, but. For the most part, if we're tracking Tom's behavior, this is one of the worst we've seen in a while.
1: Yeah, not not a growth. And he blackmailed
0: moment. his ex-wife <laughs> recently.
1: Right. It's been kind of a low, <laughs> kind of a low stretch for Tom. You um, know, and, and we it opens with it's after because I guess Valentine's Day was mere episodes ago, um, but Tom gives Anne the gift of like a leftover stuffed animal bear, from like a leftover Valentine's day, something. Um And to her credit, she pretty quickly realizes that it's a nanny cam. Um, And is that, that's what you're talking about with Thomas behavior is, is giving yeah, a, I'm a, a about hidden camera, <laughs>
0: giving someone a hidden camera and saying to put it somewhere special.
1: Yeah. I think, I think generously we could describe this move as not cute. Right. Hannah.
0: It is not cute.
1: Yeah, deeply not cute. Um, but Donna does take control of the situation. Pointed, yeah, which Donna I liked.
0: really gets the upper hand here in the last laugh, where she says she'll take it, and Anne is like, "There's a there's a camera in there," and she says, "I know," and that's the end of the opener. And Tom gets it flipped on him, which he deserves, frankly.
1: Yeah, although <laughs> I guess part of what's flipping is like. Tom being like, oh well, then, then I'll be forced to look at this other beautiful woman, Donna, against my against my will. When I
0: say flipping, <laughs> it's not because it's a bad thing. It's because Donna's taking complete power, yeah, and ownership over it, and flipping it on his his head. Where now she's the one making the choices. Yeah, yeah. he would be lucky. I think is what I said. He he should be <laughs> so lucky after we watch this. Um, but the main A story, you know, we got Anne in the opener, but, uh, she's not running around with blood this episode. She's leaving her house under the care of April Ludgate.
1: I maybe missed this. Do we know where she's going? Is she just going on a little vacation or do they just, do we know where she's off to?
0: <laughs> she's going a to see a man thing? about a horse. <laughs>
1: yeah. Is that
0: an expression? Yeah.
1: I, I liked it. Yeah. It made me feel safe, see a comfortable. man and I don't
3: know.
0: What it let's okay, when you see what does seeing a man about a horse mean? To see a man about a dog or a horse is British English uh idiom usually used as a way to ap- apologize for one's imminent departure absence, generally to um conceal one's true purpose such okay. as going to the bathroom or to going to buy a drink.
1: Oh, so maybe maybe she's going to the she's bathroom. She's going to buy so a, a drink what, yeah.
0: in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly that. Um but yeah, Anne is leaving, and she's leaving April in charge of her house, and in a very funny cut, she says she hopes her and April can get closer, and it quickly cuts into April saying, we're not going to be friends, and back to Anne's interviews. Yeah, um, I think, I think play- April's-,
1: <laughs> April's exact words are, I hate Anne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they really play with interviews in a fun way, in both storylines, this episode. Like talking
1: heads, yeah, a lot of really fun, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... Yeah, so April is now in Anne's house. So, keep that in your mind.
1: <laughs> Don't, yeah. Remember that for when we bring it up again later. Um, but the the episode really gets off off sprinting to the races to see a lot of men about a lot of horses when the mayor's I'm we're going to I'm going to call her an envoy. Um, <laughs> She's some kind of assistant to the mayor. Evelyn Roushland uh, shows up. This is
0: be- Evelyn's story. Can I just say, this could be yeah, called The say, Day Evelyn Rauschland Went Evil. Because I really feel like we watch her character reveal that she's like a sort of Batman villain.
1: Yeah, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. End. We see how, yeah. you know, even good intentions of trying to, say, protect Rufus, Mayor Gunderson's dog can become twisted and corrupted when exposed to the there, amount of power that the mayor in, of punhya has. She's not in so.
0: slides and swings the british version, but she does have a movie, Rochelle's revenge, mm-hmm. which which is all just about her her corrupting power story.
1: Mhm. Yeah. I think, I think I believe it was at uh Slamdance and did, did pretty mm-hmm. well there. Horrible reviews, but uh, but audiences, the audience liked it. Yeah, the audience liked it. Yeah,
0: it got a golden popcorn mm-hmm. rating. That's a thing, <laughs> don't look it up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but she comes and she she's talking to Leslie because, as we all know by now, the mayor's dog got bit by Fairway Frank, and Leslie is like aware that this possum infestation on the golf course. Where the bite occurred is a problem. So she's act- she's not at all like, surprised.
0: Something I like about this, and it's very like, glossed over, but I like that she says that she's heard Leslie gets things done. Like I like that in this small town, Leslie's already gaining a reputation as a doer.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And we also learn that the people who have a reputation for not being doers are animal control. So So Evelyn has kind of sidestepped them and gone directly to the parks department and Leslie to try to... Take care of this fairway Frank possum problem.
0: Yeah. And we, you know, Leslie assembles a task force that includes Andy and Tom and Andy has Leslie has like given him so many jobs at this point. Uh, If you're if you've been listening and watching along with us, please send us or tweet at us at Radio Pony all the jobs that Andy has had up until this point from Leslie. I feel (laughs) like any time odd job is like called for Andy's there.
1: Yeah, he's which is as uh, just for the show is like a nice. It's way nice to just plug him in as as Wherever much as possible. Fits. Yeah, I, it's unclear um, if this this might be an unpaid position. This might be like the honor of serving on a task force. I I'm like not sure if there's money she pays Him
0: a little each time.
1: You think she pays him a little? Yeah, a little on top of his as a shoe shiner,ist his job as a shoe shinest, and anti shoe shiner,ist.
0: I also but, we get to meet the fantastic animal control duo. Um Harris Whittles and Colton Dunn play these two um animal control guys and are both very funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of our first moment of like entering another I mean we've been to the we've been to the what is it? Is it the third or fourth floor? That's horrible. <laughs> it's the fourth floor. I
0: think it's the fourth floor, yeah.
1: Okay, I don't want to give the third floor a bad name. I, but I, I also like the risk of being wrong. So if I say fourth floor and that's way too many stories for a building in Pawnee, honestly, roast me, <laughs> eviscerate me online. Um, but, it, but besides that, it's kind of like our first moment in a different office of like the government. And it's nice to see like, this place has a totally different vibe from the parks department office. It's like and very the vibe
0: is that they get high and don't do much.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, they're they're playing catch and um and are are pretty clearly not <laughs> not there to do any sort of work. But it's up to Leslie and her task force, and they are part of the task force. So I don't want to be so too hard on them.
0: quick Colton Dunn story. My friend wrote on um he did this like sh- this talk show at this improv theater so basically a bunch of people wrote like a fake talk show for him to do and it was really fun and i went because my friend wrote on the show and i'm sitting in the i I get there and the only seat is like in the front row that's left so i'm like sitting Mm. in the front row and there's a certain part of the show where coltland goes and like gets a volunteer from the audience so he goes up to the guy next to me and is like come on man like do you want to do like come on stage." And the guy like refused to come on stage. And it just got really sad and uncomfortable. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll I will like I'll join the stage. So then I got up there and it was so easy. We basically, I don't know, did some dance or something, but it was it was I I never volunteer. I'm yeah. never an audience volunteer. I don't like doing that at shows because I just feel really you know, social anxiety. Like I don't want to I don't want to be like I don't want to be trying to be funny up there like i get i don't do it but at so you're, also, you're shows. a
1: performer and you're a funny person and there's something about like being an audience member and playing that role and then being asked to do this other well, thing it's supposed to be way.
0: pure right like the, i remember the first improv <laughs> yeah, show i did in northwestern, <laughs> well, at northwestern well the first imp, um thing i did at northwestern With my improv team is, you know, you bring someone up and you interview them about a dream they've had, and then you do an improv set off their dream. But for our first show, this girl, Megan, came on stage. I won't say her last name. I'm learning. And she also, like, considers herself a comedy person. So she told so many jokes that we had nothing to do. Like, the best kind of audience volunteer at a comedy show yeah, pure is the word I can think of. It's like someone who's just, like, not trying to be funny. And so I always get anxious because naturally when I get on a stage, my, like, instincts are, like, to try to be funny and stuff or to, mm-hmm. you know, find – And and then I'm like, no, 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 don't do that. That's not helpful in this situation. So I didn't want to volunteer, but Colton was getting sadder and sadder. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you did the right thing in that situation. You know, I think that's,
0: yeah. like – I'm a, I'm like, a hero. Yeah. Colton knows that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess so.
0: <laughs> yeah, Man, I, I wish guess I'm a I good w- person.
1: I really wish we'd had him on for this episode so that <laughs> we could have talked yeah. about that.
3: <laughs>
0: you know what? I, th- I believe animal control does come back. So okay. let's try for the next animal control episode to get Colton Dunn to come on. If you see this, if you're listening, not see this, if you're hearing this, hashtag is Colton Dunn. We'll see if we can get his attention.
1: Yeah, keep it simple. Why? Why we I love you. Things?
0: Nothing. Nothing. No. Positive. Don't add just to Colton it. Colton Dunn. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> hashtag would, for this episode.
1: That would probably scare me, but <laughs> 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 but fear is a great motivator sometimes. Yeah. Like let's a, a freak first him response. out
0: just enough. Mm-hmm. Um, let's get let's get these animal control epi- uh, uh, <laughs> folks out of the. Um, out of the office and on to the golf course where they're yes. looking for fairway Frank.
1: Speaking of being afraid, there's a possum on the loose and one that, one that bites. Although I did learn that because, I think maybe either because of their body temperature or something totally different, possums are a mammal that have very, very rare low cases of rabies. So a bite by a possum.
0: Don't go um, kissing a possum because you heard that here, though, please.
1: No, but if you have to kiss something, go with a possum is a pretty safe
0: (laughs) You seem to know a lot about possums, and I see in the doc you may have a story related to possums. Well Do you want to save it to the end? (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell.
1: (laughs) Let's save it. Let's do it let's save it for our like our chit chatting thing. I made a little mark, you know. Okay. So we're out on the green. We're out on the green. The course is looking beautiful. It's a great day to play golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tom is like immediately kind of seduced by uh, by golf culture. He has a talking head about Tiger Woods, about being a big <laughs> fan of his, especially after all the sex stuff, which really like cements this as it's like not a good time.
0: Before Anne leaves, she tells April, don't let Tom make a copy of my keys." So even when he's not in scenes, he's not having a good episode. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he there's like a little cloud hanging over him. Um but they Leslie and the task force are are like making you know talking strategy, talking plans and they spot they spot the possum and everything it's all And Tom runs away.
0: Again, not a good episode even in silly ways. He just runs. He takes off.
1: Yeah, it is a great. <laughs> it's a great little cut. I love I love a scared run. Put a scared run in something, I'll enjoy it. It's hard to go wrong with a scared run for me. Um, but
2: Leslie is
0: game planning with the animal control guys when suddenly Andy jumps out and leaps on the possum. He had the yeah. thought, don't think.
1: <laughs> it's a really perfectly executed possum tackle, and they've got fairway Frank. Everything is going according, not according to plan, but it might work out despite their best intentions. Um Evelyn shows back up. She's beaming. She's the proudest envoy, commissioners, assistant, uh, aide to the mayor that we've ever seen. Um, and she gives Leslie her cart, which is like, You did me a favor, I'll give you a favor, you know. You scratch my back, I'll build your yes. park. Whoa. Um
0: But you know, it, the story builds and builds, and we have Sean Malway-Tweep is back interviewing Andy about his possum grab. This is Pawnee, so this could be front-page news. Um, but Leslie is suddenly not that calm, because right before she left the golf course, she saw another possum, and she's now not sure it's Fairway Frank that could be Andy like is being interviewed agent. about. Now, this yeah. is like... One of my favorite scenes, because here Andy has a great opportunity to just be the hero of the story, but he can't stop making himself (laughs) seem like not the hero, to put it nicely. (laughs) One of my favorite lines is he says he has, you know, he was fine tackling the possum because when he lived in the pit, again, reminding people he lived in the pit, he had a lot of vermin friends, but friends sounds weird. So then he goes vermin colleagues.
1: It's, yeah, it's really like a lot of him, Andy, trying intentionally to play high status or like trying to look cool is but always... He, Andy.
0: Andy, um, he can't just be himself ever when he's doing a job. So this time he's... and Not Angie D- Danger, that's not it. Andy
1: Radical. Andy Radical.
0: Rocket, Andy Radical.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like Andy Radical by day. Also by day, Andy, shoe Andy possum tackler. But by night, I do whatever i want i don't have a job at night (laughs) uh yeah so he's Um, he's having fun um he
0: is he's having a good time
1: but as shauna is interviewing him she plants a seed in his head that uh that maybe this article could be a way to to win back Anne. and he jumps at that idea and really starts well he
0: just has a very genuine reaction i think like we are loving Andy and April, but you know, for most of Andy's season one, definitely, and into season two, he had one objective to like love Anne and to win back Anne when he lost Anne. So I think if you're jumping in at the end of season two, you may not understand it as much, but because the, you, the listener, have been watching along with us, you know that this is sort of just a. a a natural reaction to someone who's had one goal for a while.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think that as so often with goals, (laughs) I think, I think there is this thing where like you, he hasn't been acting like that's his goal because whether he realizes or not, he's starting to fall for April. You know, like I think what I'll,
0: (laughs) you heard it here
1: first. For me. Oh my gosh. In the year 2020. <laughs> but but I think this was a moment where he remembered that like that used to be his goal. And I think I just feel like that's such a relatable feeling of having a moment of even though your life is no longer going in that direction, at least having a moment of of like reverting towards like, oh I guess yeah, I guess I, I guess I should go for that thing that I that I used to be obsessed with, even if it's no longer no longer my thing for example. Um, But you know who doesn't like hearing this? You know. Who?
0: I don't know. I'm I'm wide-eyed. April
1: Ludgate doesn't like hearing it. She storms
3: right out.
0: She storms out because she she got him coffee in the morning. We thought, you know, this is really chugging along. And then she overhears this, and she leaves. And it's also a reminder of why she may or may not dislike Anne. Mm. Okay, she hates Anne. But moving the story right along, uh, Andy... Does not realize how upset April is. She, he 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 realizes she's upset, but she goes, "No, I'm not." And he goes, "Wow, your happy face is very different than mine." Like it's <laughs> he's just when she says something, she just he just so purely believes it. And when he suggests they wait for six hours for the story to come out, uh, she's not into that that idea of waiting. Is it for the story to come out, or is it for something else?
1: I think they're sending him photos of him, like, kissing his biceps, of him playing guitar to this possum. (laughs) Um,
0: Um, So, Leslie's freaking out because it's not Fairway Frank. April's angry because Andy is trying to win back Anne again all of a sudden, according to her. And so those two team up. They meet in the courtyard, uh, and they decide to find out if Fairway Frank is really Fairway Frank. Because yeah. April is annoyed at Andy and Leslie is having a moral crisis of what if it's not Fairway Frank. They go to the head of the golf course, Mr. Uh, Canoe Mellon. That's not his name. <laughs>
1: Keep, try one more. I think you might be able to get this one, actually. Canoe Mellon is pretty close.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Canoe Mellon Camp.
1: <laughs> his name is Mr. Campopino. Campo piano uh-huh.
0: Campo piano I was so yeah. close <laughs> um but mr. Campo piano looks at pictures um and says th- that's fairway Frank but it's all of different possums and then right as we're not sure if it's fairway Frank another guy comes in and says that there's a possum terrorizing p- people again on the golf course
1: so there's just there's and no there's no way to know
0: there's no way to know
1: if this is the right possum also just as an aside the the animal control guy who comes in in that moment isn't isn't one that we've met before, and he's a real hunk. So I just think that's interesting that they got a real hottie to play this guy. I mean, there's just a moment where it's like he doesn't really have he doesn't have a joke. He's just delivering exposition. See, and another little piece of exposition is up. that I
0: feel like I missed a real hunk. I want to see this real, guy. That, wait, here a real we go. Cutie pie.
1: He's classically handsome, chiseled.
0: Oh, wow. The I think uniform looks not, really well on him. No, he's not an animal control guy. He's he's a golf. It says maintenance. He works for maintenance for the golf course because he says okay, let's call this, animal control.
1: This makes sense. So, okay, so that actually that plays are, into the trope. If you are Maintenance
0: okay. Mike, his name is Mike. If you are known for playing Maintenance Mike on Parks and Recreation, please, we would love to have you on the pod I, because yeah, we'll, I just we'll, talk, we'll fawn I'll, over I'll,
1: you. <laughs> I'll make you feel great about yourself. You're a handsome man. Um when we can talk we can talk more about that if you want to. Uh I hope the years have been kind to you. Inside and out. <laughs> so we move on. We've gotta move on. Um, We've gotta. We can't let this this innocent possum die.
0: Be peed on. Um, we can't let this innocent possum die, and April doesn't want Andy getting a big head if it's not even the possum, so Leslie distracts the office by pouring ketchup on her arm and saying she's bleeding, and April grabs the possum and brings it to Anne's house.
1: Mm, A safe (laughs) kind of neutral location, yeah, similar to a possum's natural habitat. It's not how you're
0: supposed to watch someone's house, but as a reminder, April hates Anne, and April is extra mad at Anne for Andy's desires.
1: I was once house-sitting. Ba- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, what were you going to say?
0: <laughs> I was just going to say, this isn't um, April's best behavior of an episode two, but at least she's justified in it.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, and I think the thing that is fun about April's... Like emotional arc in this episode is that she can't admit to being mad because admitting to being mad means that she also has to admit that she has she feelings likes for Andy.
0: Him. All right. So, so what is your house sitting story?
1: Oh yeah, I I was just in terms of being like a bad house sitter. I was once house sitting for a college professor, and I <laughs> I fell down the stairs and <laughs> my knee went through their wall. <laughs> so I, oh my gosh. so I just knocked a big hole in their wall. And on did top of you that, tell them? Yeah, no. I'm a I'm a very honest, honest, I'm a person, really honest yeah. boy. You're like so. Leslie
0: at the end. There's been a possum in the house and just runs out.
1: I'm yeah. I immediately, but I did that like right away. I let them know that I that I there's a, there was a little knee sized hey, hole you in the wall. You just wall. left.
0: You just left five minutes ago. Things are going well, but there is a <laughs> hole in your wall now.
1: And I killed their tomato plants. So what?
0: How'd you kill their tomato plants?
1: I didn't water them. Oh I was, my gosh, well. It was not a good look for me. I know.
0: Okay, I, I so I know sometimes
1: will- we like, <laughs> sometimes we, we try to find me a job on this podcast, but this is an episode where maybe I should just come out and say, I can do a certain version of house sitting. I've grown up a He will you lot. into
0: your house, but he will <laughs> yeah. not then watch it. Yeah. Um, so, the possum is now with April, Um. and Leslie speaks to the mayoral envoy. And Thank asks, you? in a very funny line, um, there, there are a couple really funny sex jokes. Like, um, <laughs> Shauna Malway Tweep asks Leslie how her hole is. And she doesn't realize she means the park. But in this, um, Leslie, you know, the mayoral envoy is very hellbent on getting the possum back. And Leslie asks if the mayor plans to have sex with it.
1: Well, it's like um, <laughs> yeah she the this uh Evelyn definitely delivers this line of in kind of like an ominous tone of like the the mayor wants to know where the possum is, in in this suggestive way um and Leslie jumps to a conclusion, but we learn that like the actual conclusion is horrible in a totally different way, which is that uh the mayor wants to have fairway Frank stuffed and Uh, mounted above his office urinal Um, so that little flex of pee will will get on fairway frank for eternity um
0: and so they're at a stalemate but don't worry yeah (laughs) we don't have the stalemate for long because april calls tom and says the possum is loose don't tell leslie and in classic the opossum tom behavior he immediately tells leslie tom is not a good friend this episode he's He's not, he's not, this is not his best episode, again. He's also
1: not a good golfer, no matter what he may try to convince us of.
0: So Leslie goes to Anne's house. The possum is now loose. We get a lot of fun running and screaming. They eventually end up in Anne's bed because the possum is by the door. And Leslie wants to call um, Andy because he... Tackled the possum rent once before. He's done before,
1: he could do it again. Yeah.
0: And April really doesn't want to call Andy, really doesn't want him to be mad at her. And Leslie realizes she's got a crush on Andy. And in a very kind way says that he won't be mad. And this is where I really like it, really develops April and Leslie's relationship past the sort of outline of uh, you know too cool for the office intern and or assistant now and boss. Um, and yeah, it's just a really sweet moment where while April may not want to talk about boys with Leslie now, she does admit to her crush uh, and they don't call Andy. They call Animal no, they- Control instead.
2: Yeah.
1: The true heroes of this episode. Um, so somehow the possum who will remain nameless because we don't we don't know if this is Fairway Frank, um, it is under control, but it it isn't returned to the mayor's office. They're not going to to take care of it. Um, Leslie stands you. up to Evelyn. She gives back the favor, the card. Yeah, the back scratched is unscratched. Is the itch has returned? Um, yeah, and no and, more favors. You know,
0: Leslie said when she's the first female president, she doesn't want it to be because of a possum. No, and similar to the knee in the wall, we end on them telling <laughs> Anne <Thank you.
1: laughs>
0: exactly what happened. Anne is not pleased, but that is life.
1: Yeah, and and ultimately, ultimately it's better to know that maybe a possum has Waited laid eggs. eggs. Yeah,
0: and touched all your bras. I think is what she said.
1: <sighs> <laughs> Just like, which is you know, tapping into a deep fear about. What her possums up too. So let's you know, let's before we get into the on. B
0: story, let's chat. Like, what did you? F- I felt like this was great. This was, you know, we still don't have our new characters yet. We're still working, but I feel like we're really developing in this A story the main core group of people. Where we've got some April Andy development. Andy who who doesn't know why she was mad, but thinks she was. Brings her coffee at the end, and also mentions her in the article. As the reason why he was able to c- tackle the possum because she had brought him coffee, um, so we really get a development there. And I love, I love April and Leslie's relationship. Spoiler alert! Spoiler. spoiler. That merely sounded like a word. Spoiler alert! It will continue to develop. We have this great, um,
1: yeah. If a you really like relationships. You should stick with this show because they're just gonna yeah, keep gonna on develop developing
0: and <laughs> develop. No, I love this so much. Um, and this, yeah, this landed for me emotionally. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that's spot on. I think um, there's a fun thing. <laughs> Someone recently told us that they listened to our podcast at 1.5 speed, so I'm slowing down now so that they realize the error of their ways. (laughs) Also, I just think that you can listen to us at whatever speed that you want. Um, The, I think a fun thing now at this point in the season is that a lot of the emotional moves that are being made narratively are being built on like emotional groundwork that we've seen get put into place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas
1: as earlier, it's a lot of like, you know, in writing, there's a, a sort of large conversation about like, show, don't tell. And I think just by the nature of it being a brand new show, when you start off, there's a lot of like telling us emotional stuff. Like telling us that Leslie used to be in love with Mark or telling us that, you know, this is Tom's relationship with Wendy or telling us this and, or that. And I think now we've had enough episodes under our belt where we've like seen a new love story, especially between Andy and April. And so we've been shown that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why it is it feels like so much more rewarding emotionally. Yeah. And and like true to the heart of the show when when Andy apologizes by like thanking April for bringing him coffee and we also, and we get her like reading the paper like and taking a sip yeah
0: aubrey plaza playing vulnerable is one of my favorite of any of the characters being vulnerable because she's so funny and she's so guarded and like quick and so when she giggles about the article and gets happy mm-hmm. it just it feels like intimate it feels like we're being let in on a really special moment that is not only earned like you said and built up but it feels mm-hmm. like Oh, we're getting to see something not everyone gets to see. Even yeah, though everyone that- gets to see it because we're watching a show. But it feels that way.
1: Yeah, and I, I think also uh, April's relationship to the camera <laughs> as a character is sort of like the camera at this point, other than Leslie is the only other person who knows about the crush. Like I feel like yeah. she's given she's given us, you know, little looks or is like aware that the camera has caught these other moments of her being kind of giddy about Andy um
0: it always makes me think like there's this moment in the Chili's episode of the office where it seems like jim's gonna tell pam how he feels a little bit and then he sees the camera and doesn't and i always like think about that as is the camera like our inner like are are we viewing our obviously the office made it a whole camera crew thing but like What does the camera represent on a show like Parks and Rec? Is it April Mm -hmm. being aware and like seeing that in herself, but being ashamed? Like, what is the camera in Parks and Rec? I think is something we can talk about moving forward because, yeah, I'm interested what people think. Listening, I don't have the answer.
1: I mean, I think I think you're you're so right that it's a lot of different things, but it is one like literal thing that it is is that it's us, that it's the audience, and that. Mm you know what we're looking at is literally what the camera is looking at so when april makes eye contact it's like a rare moment of a character looking at us so i think it makes that vulnerable um, character moment just feel so good
0: <laughs> yeah so i know tom is like kind of awful this episode but the one thing mm. i did relate to with him was his golfing experience where he was like i want to be a golfer i mean not because of the sexual tiger woods stuff but um i went to golf camp uh, but I was like so awful at golfing and all I liked doing was riding around in the carts and one day it was raining and we couldn't golf and they made us toast with cinnamon and sugar on it, and that was my favorite day of golfing. <laughs>
1: that's I just so wanted funny to that eat that's... and
0: stay inside.
1: <laughs> it is funny that like growing up, so looking back so much of the stuff where it's like, oh, I love being on the swim team. And then actually it's like, no, I, I just love riding on a hot bus in between swim meets like actually what I love is all the stuff around having to do this this grueling thing that I don't want to do at all I don't think I've the closest I've been to a golf course legally um, No, I've, I've been to like a driving range but I've never played around it's, played a, it's a
0: very frustrating game if the ball doesn't go very far
1: <laughs> I I understand that <laughs>
0: But something you have done that we we teased is you have um hunted a possum, you said.
1: I I've had a hunting like encounter with a possum.
0: What's a hunting like um, <laughs> encounter?
1: I it was that I I was never <laughs> going to kill anything. Um a colleague of my parents was had a little garden patch that was getting like some kind of critter, I think is a technical term for it. A critter was eating um, their vegetables. So they wanted to take, they wanted to take care of it. And so they, this like English professor had learned how to shoot a rifle and was doing like a stakeout duty on their back porch to, to shoot what we thought was a possum or maybe an armadillo, which I think are, are technically dinosaurs. I've been over this before, but that's my standing is that armadillos are are maybe closer to dinosaurs even than birds. Um, but so I was making, I was in high school and I, I was making a little documentary about, um, about this possum hunt, but it turned out over the course of this, this documentary, which a lot of great documentaries, if you end up making the movie you think you're going to make, you're not doing it right. That's a quote that I don't remember who that's from. It was a raccoon which is too cute to shoot. Um, So no, there was no shooting happened. So that, that was that. (laughs) That was my possum encounter was actually with a raccoon.
0: Yeah, I was making a documentary once in Colorado about New Year's. It was for some class in high school. And it was just supposed to be, you know, I was going to interview people about their New Year's plans. And then afterwards, what they ended up doing but then there was this mysterious box sent to town hall or something. It was like a bomb threat. So everything got canceled. Like all these restaurants that were relying on news, it all got shut down. So I ended up having this like incredibly interesting footage about like people's
3: excitement. <laughs> <laughs> which Whoa. like, i
0: know seems suspicious now that i'm saying it
1: <laughs> but
0: um yeah for and any they documentary never found film... out
1: who called in the threat <laughs> <laughs> for any
0: documentary filmmakers out there will and i get it we each we have dabbled we've dabbled you know what we haven't dabbled in yet will that i that we should dabble in is the b story <laughs>
1: I'll dabble, as long as we follow the rules. <laughs> I'll be the mark of this B-Story recap, and you'd better keep the recap to code. <laughs> Only 150 characters for this part of the recap.
0: Can I say something funny to that? No, not funny. Sorry, I'm not saying can I be funny. I'm saying, you know, the, sil- the silly thing about that is the thing I dislike about Mark is not that he wants to follow the rules. I'm a I'm a nerd. I love rule following. Mm-hmm. It's that it doesn't land emotionally for me and that, like, his way of going about it, even when he's in the right, is so weirdly off to me. Um, yeah,
1: where he's both kind of like... <laughs> Listen, Ron, I I have to do my job, which I hate and don't care about. And you're my friend, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Like, imagine if this were for a second, and we'll get into the actual story. For those who haven't watched along and are confused, we're about to explain. But imagine if this was a Leslie-Ron story instead. And Leslie was fighting with Ron and insisting he, he did something by the book. We understand that Leslie is so passionate in her moral code and about her job and all these things. And we've already established a relationship with Leslie and Ron um, that is one of love and growth and meeting in the middle um, that it might work. But for this, this this B story really didn't work. Should we explain for those confused who haven't watched the basics of the story, the city planning story? <laughs> It reminds me of when Rachel Axler came on, uh, a writer of Parks and Rec, and talked about – she mentioned at one point, like, you know, brainstorming city planning ideas for Mark, because that's sort of what the character had become. And
1: mm-hmm. so it just
0: reminded me of, like, I feel like there was a grab bag of city planning stories, and this was yeah, the one that was pulled out. this was a big, out.
1: big city planning episode. Yeah. Um, the inciting incident is that Ron barges in, pretty chipper. And uh, has some
0: Danowitz
1: <laughs> has some big plans for additions to his workshop. And he wants a quick and easy approval from Mark as a city planner. And Mark is like, yeah, you know, as soon as I like do an, exp- an inspection, um, which is not what Ron was hoping for. Um, so the whole B story is just Mark inspecting Ron's. Workshop, which isn't at all up to code. There is um, a funny
0: sign that was like, uh, via like, uh, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot again. There's some like fun props and, uh, definitely some like fun Ron moments where he, you know, he lifts up this fire extinguisher that he says is up to code and tries to spray it, and just a little dribble comes out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's. There's some good prop
0: comedy. I think if I'm gonna give the B story any props, it's gonna be about the props. Well done. Thank you.
1: (laughs) I'm I'm tipping my hat, tipping my hat to that old pun. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of Ron, who we know can drunkenly make an exquisite wooden harp. Um, It's a lot of jokes about how his workshop is a literal death trap and that it's only a matter of time <laughs> before before it goes up in flames. Yeah and like we, spontaneously you know, we combusts. get
0: some of his belief system again, you know, if it's my rights, my my property, my mm. my right to sort of set myself on fire, basically, with these wet rags and all this stuff. Um, but it escalates, you know. Mark gives him the city planning rule book or whatever. And says to he has 24 hours, or I guess he's shutting the whole thing down or some sort of vague idea. Ron cuts the book in (laughs) half. Then we see him again in Mark's office. Um, Anne is, you know, again, seeing a man about a horse. So usually she'd be looking over the city plans with Mark. This is when we're usually in Mark's office. Um, But they fight some more. Tom's there practicing golf now. It's a lot of clashing of beliefs. <laughs> um, and then, you know, eventually, both... I mean, you pointed out when we were watching, you were like, what changes? Because Mark goes to help Ron do the city ta- planning tasks. Mm-hmm. And Ron, we see... Why does Ron, like, glue the book back together? Do we know why he's... What his changes well, yeah, well, as so Well, so Ron
1: kind of he much much like a previous episode where when he's being you know grilled under oath, he just responds with questions. Ron shows back up at Mark's office and just says facts to Mark. He just says like, "I understand that you're a city planner, and I understand so he like names the facts, but actually hasn't changed anything um so so I think I think Ron has glued the book back together to just like. He's resolved to himself that actually he's now kind of in a pickle and has to get things up to code, um, but is overwhelmed by it. And so Mark shows up to help him. Um, but Mark shows yeah, up to I'm help curious. him,
0: but is still somehow a jerk. Like, this is the thing. Like, in this moment where, you know, again, like, I, I like the rules. It makes sense. Ron is comically a mess this episode. You know, he comes. He says he takes a half day off to help him fix it because he's his friend. But he also just keeps telling him to shut up. And, like, it reminds me a little bit of how Mark used to talk to Leslie. But Mm -hmm. somehow weird. It just something felt off. I don't know. Can you articulate what it is? Because I feel like we had a similar feeling.
1: Yeah, I think it maybe feels a little bit like it's. So one thing I think that it's missing, especially compared to the other, to the A story, is that there's not. uh, It's missing warmth and the warmth that is there feels a little manufactured like there's a feel good moment at the end where Ron yeah, makes I a canoe yeah i was going
0: to say yeah ron, and it's like cuz ron initially was like i'll make you a canoe if you let this go and then oh sorry i interrupted you
1: no no that's okay but yeah i think i think to that point there's like we're so we're missing some warmth between these characters which is one of the things that really makes the show tick and then we're also uh, the moments of them like working together to solve a problem all happen off screen. So we actually don't see them solving the problem together and we don't see them mm. working together. We just see play. the conflict and then the conflict is solved off screen. So we get a solution that doesn't happen. And I think that's also one of the reasons why it's kind of unsatisfying at the end. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You're right. We ne- like If we had a scene where they were taking the wet rags and cleaning up the place, we, we will later in the series see Ron and Leslie cleaning up and working together. Maybe it would have felt some emotional payoff. Or if Mark had, I mean, Leslie's very possum busy this episode. But if, Ron, but if if Mark had had a moment with Leslie where mm-hmm. she was like, you're being a jerk, though. Like, you know, we know Ron is stubborn. Or, if you know, if, if, if we had watched one of them make that decision in addition to, like, yeah, like getting him a new fire extinguisher, whatever it is that symbolizes that. Yeah, because we have this moment at the end where Mark goes, opens the door and there's a canoe there. And he looks across and Ron does a little, like, hand motion. Mm-hmm. And they're good. And I just – this is – Almost worse than when they were fighting. This just didn't <laughs> land with me because I was like, I guess I also like if Ron. Ron is not usually low status, mm. and it feels weird watching him be so low status, status and incompetent to Mark.
1: Yeah, he's kind of like a he's kind of like a clown in his own domain. Like he's sort yeah. of, um, yeah, that's interesting. I think I wonder too if there's something about. Um. So like, the workshop is just an excuse to have this emotional beat, right, between Mark and Ron. Like the the workshop doesn't actually really matter. Like it could be anything, you know. It could be like yeah. Ron needs to get his car up to Coda. Like Ronnie's the workshop is a little irrelevant. But instead, the episode focuses on, on that as if like getting yeah. the workshop up to Coda is the point. When really I think the point is for Ron to understand and learn something new about Mark as someone who has to enforce the rules and to empathize with him and for Mark to learn and
0: I mean, the empathize in I a new way this, with Ron.
3: Yeah. And,
0: and, you know, maybe we'll have a writer on again and they'll be like, that's not correct at all, <laughs> Hannah. <you laughs> I would fool. love that. Yeah. <laughs> but the way I imagine it is they had this possum story. And they put, they decided which characters were going to be in that. And then they were left with Ron and Mark. And they thought, okay, the B story will be Ron and Mark. You know, I'm imagining the writer's room board filled with note cards. And, you know, with Mark, it's like, well, what do we know about Mark? He's a city planner. It should be a city planning thing. Ron doesn't like government. This works. And I think you're right. It it was never, (sighs) yeah, it's not about the workshop. And But it reminds me a little bit of your your qualm with um, the dinner party where Leslie um,
1: has over all the teachers to yeah and doesn't really have the capability
0: to put on a dinner party suddenly. Um, But at least in that one, she manages to pull it pull it together by having Mm. all the teachers come and then she pays them out. Like in the end, she throws a great dinner party and does it because she's capable. Whereas in this, like, Ron sort of gets saved by Mark, who is yelling at him to shut up. Again, even when he's being interviewed. It just, you know, I think this is the beginning of the end of Mark (laughs) Brandanowitz.
1: You think maybe Mark isn't quite up to code for Parks and Recreation?
0: Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) I wanna, I, you know what I miss? Right now. I miss hearing from the listeners. I want to jump into our uh, town halls. And remember, we are doing a real great raffle. Uh, we've gotten a lot of submissions, especially this week. Uh, if you submit a five-star review and send us a screenshot, your name will be written on a slip of paper. That paper will be put into a giant pit. And we will choose one piece of paper out of that pit and that person will get to come on the podcast as an expert segment. You've, you've heard them. You've loved them. I almost <laughs> said liked them. I was like, I'm going bigger. Um, yeah. And if you have a friend who submits a five-star review, like let's say you're like, mom, submit a review. And she's like, I don't watch Parks and Rec. And you get in a big fight. But eventually she submits a review. Screenshot her review and send it to us. And your name will be put in the uh, giant pit filled with names again.
1: And we've gotten, you know, we've gotten emails where it's a screenshot of the review saying, is this right? The answer, yes, that is absolutely yes. right. We will we've got also be answering back of those
0: emails. Sorry, keep going, keep going.
1: No, I think there is, if you hear the words that are saying about the raffle and then try to do them.
0: The emails are not meant for the podcast. They're just a clarifying question. So uh, check your email because we may have responded to you. Um, Let's start these voicemails with number one twenty-eight. I heard a dog barking. My bad. Uh, Let Let's start these voicemails with one. Let's start these voicemails with number one twenty-eight. Sarah, no H.
2: Hi, Hannah and Will. I can't believe that I forgot to send this message earlier in the week. I think maybe you've already recorded the podcast for today. But while listening to our very special Hanukkah episode of Pawnee Public Radio last week, I had a thought, we never really got a Hanukkah episode on Parks and Recreation. I know that Hanukkah is a time to spread light with a lot of different people and oftentimes that means lighting public menorahs. I'm wondering, can we just like really quickly brainstorm what a Hanukkah Pawnee uh, experience would be like? Who do you think would be running the committee? How many binders would Leslie have to put together? on cultural and religious sensitivity. What would kind of crazy antics would go wrong before lighting the menorah? And which night do you think they would light it on? Happy sixth night of Hanukkah and hopefully I made it under the wire. And if not, uh, please don't play this message on the podcast in two weeks from now because I feel like that'll be really awkward. Bye guys, love you.
0: Love you too, Sarah. It's never awkward. It's never awkward when you call in. Don't if it worry is, about that.
1: If it is, it's not you, it's us.
0: It's definitely us. <laughs> uh, I love when you're like cultural sensitivity because we saw the traveler. I just did air quotes that visited Pawnee and ended up in the sort of zoo in one of the murals. I believe there was a Jewish man in one of those <laughs> uh, murals. And wasn't the
1: joke too that it was like in the 80s or something? Isn't yeah, it, something horrible? it was really, it was really
0: <laughs> late. Uh, what would Hanukkah be like in Pawnee? Well, I think Leslie decides to get a menorah as big as the Christmas tree we saw her get. Like, I think she wants to make everyone feel welcome. And she mm-hmm. just gets this unlightable sort of house-sized menorah.
1: Yeah, and it feels like the keeping the fire going could be like an Andy job. Like maybe guarding the fire, you know, Definitely. maybe something about like... And and I think flammability is is definitely like a uh, a rich comic realm that that Andy's character could really explore by catching on fire on or around the menorah. Um, it's got to be some great dreidel bits, right?
0: gotta be oh those dreidel gags we have a town hall of just how to play dreidel um thanks for wishing us uh, a happy hanukkah merry christmas to all who uh celebrate when this is released it'll be Two days from Christmas. Um, and, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas, but I did get me and my uh, puppy matching reindeer outfits. So if you want to check that out, I don't know how the photo shoot's going to go, but you can go to my Instagram at Hannah Lil Nesson <laughs> and let me know what you think. So happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays for whatever you're celebrating this holiday season. Thank you so much for calling in, Sarah. It was not awkward, it was a joy. Uh, the next voicemail is from Anonymous, number 129.
3: Hey, Hannah. Hey, Will. Still love the podcast, naturally. Oh. Uh, what I like most about this particular episode is just how good Leslie is, her sense of honesty and and all, and it all kind of is summed up in, at the end when she says something to the fact that when she retires and she's attending a gala honoring the first three president with well, female presidents um she wants to look back at her legacy and not and not think that she owes her whole career to uh some possum so it's just refreshing um her honesty her integrity as opposed to the last four years and to kind of the reference to the mayor uh, wanting to stuff the possum reminds me of the Trump boys who go out hunting endangered species.
0: Mamas, get him political!
1: <laughs> I do like... It's nice to hear your mom call them Trump boys. <laughs> it does cut them down to size a little bit. And I also like imagining big game possum. Which I know isn't the point of that, but I think like you know, like a prehistoric big game, something about that is is just exciting to me. No, Um, I love the
0: moral compass, just like my mom does. Of Leslie, you know, if we complained in the B story that we don't exactly know where Mark's belief system lies, he cares, but he doesn't. Leslie is someone who we know exactly why she does what she does, and it's it's all related to her moral compass.
1: And I think Most the thing that maybe the time. Yeah, the thing we didn't mention is that she this possum ends up in the zoo. <laughs> that doesn't apply to the moral compass, but I think that's a funny like
0: <laughs> No, she found him, it reminded it's me of solution. the penguins and when she finds the penguins a new home and she's yeah. like spraying them with the bottled water. Um <laughs> I, I wish we had a scene of, again, a possum, you know, in a seatbelt similar to the penguins, and she's... Spry. I wish we had a, a penguin callback. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is, you know, part of the escapism of this show is um, some watching this young leader with a moral compass that is unwavering. With that, let's get to number 130, a uh, voicemail from Turnip.
4: Except for Turnip. Except for turnip. Except for turnip.
1: <laughs> it wouldn't be a town hall without some chanting. <laughs> I keep thinking, like, <laughs> am
0: I missing? Is this from another episode? Is this Was this supposed to be paired with a different episode, Will? Or is it just except for turnip?
1: I, I bet there's something that we're missing, but feeling that way with you... And, and maybe with our audience also makes me feel like we're all in this together.
0: We're all in this together. It, yeah. Turn up, please, if this was meant for another episode, call in with a long explanation or just call in again and let us I, hear you chant each time.
1: I will say just to add, I, I think I agree. Except I definitely agree.
0: Oh, we, yeah. we blindly agree, except I mean, for think, turnip.
1: Right? Think about the situation. You know, think about think about it, and then ask yourself: yeah. turnip? up? And the obvious answer is no, except for turnip. So, so yeah, I think. Coming from a place of not understanding at all what's going on, I can strongly turnip. say turnip. Except for turnip. For
0: turnip. Except together. Except for turnip. Except for turnip. Except
1: for turnip. Except
0: for turnip. Okay. <laughs> um, our next voicemail is number 131, Anonymous.
4: My guess is dad. Hey, Hannah and Will. You got the sportswoman of the year, right? Hannah's mother. Who else could it be? Uh, And now we move from Woman of the Year to Possum. A quick note that George Possum Witted won the 1914 World Series with the Boston Braves, one of six Boston World Championships between 1903 and 1918. But this Possum show is mostly about golf. Um, And since I know you, somebody asked me early on if golf was a sport and tennis – uh, we're going to say golf is a sport, and maybe you can tell your viewers who won this year's uh, U.S. LP Lady Women's U.S. Open Golf Championship, which was just completed uh, shortly before you'll be recording this podcast. Don't look it up. I want to hear a real answer without looking it up on Google. I uh, looked it up
0: before. he's said, "Right before."
4: We'll talk to you soon
0: no i literally as he was saying what it was started googling it and as i started googling it,
4: code. he said
0: don't look it up
1: so you've got you've got the real name
0: i need to hear from you first dad i'm so sorry i i feel like i'm getting in trouble i feel <laughs> like i feel like... it was literally as yeah. i was looking it up and then he goes as i'm typing don't look it up it's like my dad knows me who do you think it is
4: and I can tell uh, Michelle, you if
0: you're hot or cold.
1: I guess uh, Michelle Yamamoto
0: is that a person? Did I get it?
1: <laughs> no, I don't know. I <laughs> I have no idea who won. <laughs> I haven't. I, the only sports I watch are American Ninja Warrior and reruns of the 2006 season of The Challenge, now on Netflix. <laughs> Which is
0: okay. There's a lot of a, articles that pop up. Uh, it says, a limb Kim with three consecutive birdies to win the 75th U.S. Women's Open by one stroke in what the 25-year-old Koreans first ever start in a major championship. And then there's some articles. Women's Open champion Sofia Popov misses out on LPGA Tour Final.
1: So, so And Mika Sorenskin
0: dusts off her clubs as she eyes a possible return. So it's definitely the first person I mentioned. Yep. <laughs> but there's a lot say, of articles. CME Group Tour Championship okay. feels like home for Brooke Henderson. But yeah, three consecutive birdies. That's amazing. I can't
1: believe you're still Googling. That's- the first Google I can understand, but to continue Googling after your dad specifically asked you Said not to? Not
0: to Google. No, you know what? I was lying. That was all from just no- knowledge I had. Um, you're working, thank you are working, you are like, well, no. She,
1: well, she didn't enter her, so the birdies didn't count.
0: <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, next voicemail, Dad, I won't Google until after I take a stab at it. So I'm sorry, Dad, and I love you. Our last voicemail is from Connor Young. From the Connor Club, uh, number 132. We're almost at 200.
4: <laughs> hey, Hannah and Will. This is Connor Young calling in from Norman, Oklahoma. This week, the episode has a case of mistaken identity with the possum that Leslie catches. And um, what's the biggest case of mistaken identity you've experienced in your life? And how did it turn out? Thanks. Bye.
0: There was a royal princess that princess that looked just (laughs) like me. And I ran into her and she wanted to escape her life of riches and responsibility. And so we switched places for a couple months. I fell in love with a prince and she fell in love with the boy next door. So that's my biggest case of missing identity. That's referencing, like, seven different movies. I think yeah. there's one with Vanessa Hudgens, one with Selena Gomez, like, Monte Carlo, The Princess witch. Um But yeah, that's my biggest case. How about you, Will?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think my mom being mistaken for Miss Frizzle, that would that would make me be mistaken for Miss Frizzle's son, or, worst case scenario, student. And I'm... I guess, a, I guess a, I'm an orphan in that hypothetical mistaken identity. Um, Oof.
0: (laughs) So, uh, our (laughs) next comment, thank you so much, Connor Young, for calling in. Our next comment comes from uh, Twitter. Remember, if you want to tweet at us, it's at Radio Pawnee. Uh, Lauren of Carsley wrote, At Radio Pawnee. She was adding us. Um, That's what you do on Twitter. Uh, You at people. It's like waving directly. It's an at. Uh, Okay, and that's
1: with an ampersand? Or is that a... What kind of tool is that? For people who don't understand. (sighs) (laughs) You want to just read the tweet?
0: Yeah. Um... (laughs) All right. <laughs> I haven't done a great sigh in a while. I just—it like feels reserved. good,
1: honestly. Take this as an opportunity to just let out a big sigh. I feel big like sigh. I try to give audiences a couple opportunities per episode to respond a with sigh. a deep, deep throaty, throaty sigh. Go so ahead, Lauren,
0: Lauren writes the TV Time app uses in quotes "Make My Pit a Park" the title for the pilot. I had a whole conversation with myself about where they got this, if it was good, etc., and then turned on the pod to hear you guys talk about it. Laughing emoji. Hashtag pool burn. Thank you so much for joining, Lauren, in the listening to our podcast. I also think when we talked about it, we just called it the pilot. I don't think we realized that it was called Make My Pit a Park. So I love that we're retroactively learning that is the pilot episode of Parks and Rec. Make My Pit a Park.
1: Yeah, and if we could go back and redo that pilot episode, oh, the things we, we would do would. differently. I would use my real voice, for one. <laughs>
0: <sighs> we also have an email. Uh, well, we have a bunch of emails with great um, reviews. But um, I'm going to uh, highlight, uh, someone sent us something from Tumblr. I actually haven't. Fully read through this yet, so I'll be discovering what it says live on pod. But it's from Michelle, and the title of the email is The Tumblr Post is the Peak of All Parks and Rec Related Internet Content. So it's even above this podcast, is what I'm getting. So it's from Game Girl. Can we talk about Parks and Rec character development for a moment? So many of the characters pretty much made complete 180s in terms of development. And it didn't feel contrived or rushed or anything. April gained passion and ambition. Andy learned how to care for others and be a better person. Chris learned to cope with mental illness in a healthy way. And Mark left. Mark just fucking left. Good fucking riddance, Mark. (laughs) Maybe I should have read this before I swear to bunch. I don't even know what to focus on in this. I think the biggest thing is... I think this game girl agrees that a lot of the development is earned.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and then sometimes there's Mark. <laughs> sometimes you just gotta you just gotta cut out the things that aren't working for you and move on. And hey, what a what better year than this one to have it have that be the thing that you learn that sometimes you can start a new season and you can change things up completely and you can you can keep moving forward. <laughs>
0: um thank you so much for calling in. We want even more of you to call in. Uh please leave us a voicemail. It's so easy. You press a button. You don't even have to wait for it to ring. It just immediately goes to the voicemail part. So please leave a voicemail. We're going to end on reading two five star reviews. Uh, thank you for sending in your five star reviews. We cannot wait till the end of the year to do this raffle and figure out who the winner is. So let's do two five star reviews. If you can't beat 'em, sweet 'em. That's the title. Five stars. What's hot, DJ Roomba? This Parks and Rec podcast. Hannah and Will are fun hosts and really dive into every episode. Give it a listen. Thanks so much, Smiley XOXO.
1: And thanks for knowing that we dive into episodes. We that's do. how we, we describe dive. it. And we I leave. hope that's how it feels. Although sometimes we slowly wade into the episode until it's too cold and then we just jump in. <laughs> um, oh, baby. Here's another five-star review, just like we promised you. Five stars from Papa Braun, titled, Thought for My Thoughts. And the review reads, The name alone drew me in, though I was a little disappointed to not find Dairy Merble's hosting. Just kidding. Great podcast in keeping with the fun and lighthearted spirit of the show was looking for some crazies that love the PNR world as much as me and finally found it.
0: So the fun thing is we almost named the podcast Thoughts for Your Thoughts and you did a great play on it for this review. Thoughts for My Thoughts. I really like that, Papa Braun. What do your kids think? How much of this are they grabbing onto and should we do a kids section of the podcast? You said you'll be calling in. Please call in and have your kids call in as well. And we want to hear from them.
1: (laughs) Well, that's a lot, but take your time and you've got, that can be like a New Year goal, <laughs> you know, it's th- it's that amount of calls. <laughs> we
0: want to hear from your children. Um, that goes for all the listeners. If you have kids, please let them call in.
1: Mm-hmm. They can, there's no one's going to pick up. That's the beautiful thing about a speak pipe. Just going to be an endless voicemail that you can have have a great time with.
0: This has been such a treat. Uh, Will I love getting to jibber jabber with you and Uh our listeners? You really mean that? I do. I mean that. I would say that even if we weren't recording right now. About
1: about the jibber jabbering. And if
0: your maintenance Mike,
1: please come
0: on the pod. (laughs) Uh, Remember the hashtag for this one though is Colton Dunn. No context.
1: Yeah, I. I hope that I hope that works out for everyone.
0: <laughs> we'll definitely be having some more fun guests on the podcast. We like to get back to just me and Will for a while as well. But uh if you have anyone you really want to hear on the pod, let us know. Dream big, demand intense things. Anything but turnip.
1: <laughs> yeah. Demand demand intense things is, you know, that's that's the new mantra, twenty twenty one. And then kind of like sh- things, yeah. the shrug emoji and being like, and let's see what happens.
0: With that, we've caught the possum of the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Every episode has one. So
0: keep Every your episode eyes out. Has, yeah. Look for fairway Frank metaphorically or literally in future episodes. I think it's time to <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> 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 good night and good luck. That's that's original.